1: don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz. It is time for the call. 10 stocks that you suggest put to uh, two experts for consideration. And I must admit, basically half the stocks we're going to discuss today all the chief executives have been on this morning, so we've had a terrific briefing so far on Ausbiz because that's where all the chief executives turn up and chat about their companies. So um, we've got the the lowdown from them. Um, what do the experts think? They see through all of the results and the spin and all that sort of stuff. Are they investable? Well, we're going to find out over. The next hour or so with Michael Wang from Medallion Financial. Michael, how are you? Yes, good.
0: Good to Coping to be with back. reporting season? Yeah, just. It's starting to pick up a lot now.
1: Gee, it's a tsunami, isn't it? It's crazy oh, this it's week and next week. Yeah, yeah. Chris McDonald from Morgan's is with us. Goshie. Chris, you're keeping up? What's your, what's your instinct on reporting season? Oh, look, like? I think better it's, or worse than it's expected? It's
2: been better than expected. and I think that's been oh, the yeah. theme for all the economic uh, condition stuff, for the data, the jobs, the housing... Uh, notwithstanding, I think we'll get some sort of little uh, pullback uh, maybe later this uh, half, sort of April, okay. May, but uh, second half should be the global uh, coordinated growth story. So we've probably still got bias to the upside in this market.
1: Oh, okay. bit of pullback on the way?
2: I think so at some point. I mean, there's been a lot of positive momentum. We still haven't seen that peel off from JobKeeper Seeker. Uh, there'll probably be a little hiccup in the restarting of Europe and the US at the moment everyone's yeah. expecting it'll be a miracle. We've yeah. seen what happens when someone said it'd be a miracle over in the US so it doesn't always go that way It's
1: got to be interesting timing Michael but
2: is that because
1: whereas our stimulus is starting to peel off America's basically ramping theirs up we went
0: yeah. we went hard early they're going hard late. Yeah proportionately we've gone probably harder than most uh, developed yeah. countries in the Western world so that's helped us uh, so far our economic data has been. Very, very good. Much better than expectations. Um, The revisions across the analyst community have been higher across every sector leading into reporting season. Um, So that should all bode well. And and so far, the reports have been very, very good. One thing that's maybe been holding market back a little bit, and there's the same thing in the US is that the amount of outlook statements from management are a lot lower than usual. Um, And I think in the US is about sort of 50, 60%. We're normally getting outlook statements at 70, 80% of the time. So that might be putting a bit of a handbrake on things, just given the uncertainty into the future. But by and large, uh, I agree, I think that the outlook should be quite good with all the stimulus mm-hmm. that's coming from around the world, seeing what's happening in places like Israel, um, who's rolled out sort of 4 million, 5 million vaccines. Yeah. They've seen a big drop off in case numbers, even in the US now that the numbers of vaccine vaccinations are starting to pick up. Their daily case numbers are coming down a lot. So there are a lot of things to be optimistic about.
1: Yeah, the reopening story may eventually yes. be, uh, be starting to hit. All right, let's get stuck into uh, the stocks today. And I always choose a stock of the day. I thought we'd take a look at Redbubble. Um, it's results out, it's Chief Executive um, on Ausbiz earlier today. Marketplace revenue almost doubled uh, to more than $416 million. Redbubble is sort of a listed Australian version of Etsy, if you like. A, um, an online marketplace for artists and and craft makers and the like. Um, Number of people buying on the platforms grew nearly 70% year on year to 6.2 million unique customers. 572,000 artists are active on Redbubble and uh, were paid out $65 million in the last six months. Uh, The chief executive, Michael Ilchinski, uh, earlier and, uh explain the result let's have a listen
0: clearly the business um, has benefited in the shift uh, the substantial shift we saw in 2020 from offline to online uh, retailing all of the core geographies for red the us europe uk and then australia all performed really well with really strong growth and most encouragingly, we had a number of the, the different product categories that Red Bubble offers. So the, the, um, the apparel and stickers, which have been the bread and butter of, uh, of Red Bubble performed really well, but really encouragingly, we got very strong results from things like our, our art, our, our wall art category um, and our home living category, things like throw cushions um, and blankets and those sort of things.
1: Uh, Redbubble, an incredible beneficiary of lockdown. Michael, what do you think of the
0: result and and the share price? Yeah, at the all market? those headline numbers couldn't be better. Um, yeah. I mean, you don't get much better numbers than that on, on the headline basis. But the issue is when you have such expectations embedded in the price, if you disappoint on a couple of metrics, the market's going to penalise you. So, however good the figures were, they was a slight miss in terms of margins uh, and customer acquisition costs. But This is a great business that's made the best of a tough situation with COVID. They've been a true beneficiary of COVID, but the issue now is going forward, will they be able to continue to live up to the hype um, and to the expectations? So for mine, that's why I'll be sort of giving this one a bit of a miss for now. It's been a a great performer ever since it listed, but we've got to sort of try and differentiate how much of that demand has been pulled forward because of of COVID um, and whether or not six, 12 months from now, they'll be able to match all the, the embedded hype that's been built into the price.
1: Yeah, I'll look at that for a year. that's pretty good going, isn't it? Um, what do you reckon, Chris?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I think this has just got ahead of itself a little bit. Um, we've still got an ad on it, probably see it higher around $6.60. But that's, that really is genuinely 12 months out. I think right. they need a pause and a breather. The structural change in buyer behavior, I think is there to stay. COVID just accelerated it. People like to personalize their clothing, personalize mm. their things. And that's certainly been a millennial thing, but it is carried through. So over the medium term, absolutely, I still think this has a reason for being. Uh, we think it'll only grow that sort of earnings per share, maybe 8% over the next year. So it probably doesn't right. justify the PE, but we see it potentially accelerating by another 20, 24% the following year. So there's still growth in the like business. That. I think you can still uh, uh, watch it, maybe trim a few if you've been a very lucky investor yeah. and look for a re-entry. If we get some sort of correction, these ones, these cover ones that have done spectacularly well and there's plenty yeah. of them, uh, they are going to be sold off quite sharply in any correction. So maybe if you can pick it up around the $5 mark. With a view to holding it because the theme's intact, it's a very well-run business, and all those people that have sampled their uh, personalised mark right. you know, masks <laughs> or personalised clothing, uh, while they've been at home shopping online, are probably now hooked for life. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a great business, probably a little bit rich at the uh, moment. We still the, like
1: it. The chief executive was was saying on AusBiz that uh, it was either September October. 28% of their revenue was mass. Happy day. <laughs> that's now that's dropped to seven as a result yeah. uh, because of just the maturity. And and as he said, we have just got to pick the next trend. And Correct, be ahead of it. exactly. And, uh, and he mentioned that personalization is only now just starting. Absolutely, to, it's to like the, the
2: move online. It just got accelerated yeah. during COVID. It hasn't yeah. stopped, yeah. Yeah. it'll keep going. Um, yeah, so I think probably wait if you don't own it. Take some profits if you do. It's been a nice bounce okay. after the little shock yesterday of the miss, yep. Yep. and um, yeah, be patient. Okay, uh, let's get into the ten stocks uh, you want us to
1: take a look at. And Chris, first up, Jack wants a group on Dust. Uh, a view on Dust Group. Now, mm. I should recommend this to my uh, wife. I'd never heard of Dust Group, but they're in the business of candles. And blimey, she buys a lot of candles. For the <laughs> man, man is dog, so we might as well have an interest in something. But uh, Dusk Group, uh, home fragrance products, including candles, reed diffusers, essential oils, only recently um, listed. Mm. What do you think of Dusk?
2: Well, again, if people weren't travelling and stay at home, they want to beautify their space, yep. and I see that with my own teenage daughters. They do like candles, they like those infusers, etc. Yep. So certainly benefiting again from the stay-at-home trade, if you like. To be fair, when it listed, uh, probably listed a, a little bit too expensive back in October last year, so we yep. saw that sell down initially. Yep. But they have doubled their uh, their revenues in the last year, really from fifty eight to over ninety, and their EBIT uh, has gone from ten million to twenty six. So Here's a business that's accelerating again. Probably a little bit rich at this point, but a, a business that continues to grow. Yep. When people get used to these products, um, a big proportion will continue to want yeah. to. I don't, I don't beautify their home or get that uh, feng shui right.
1: margins
2: margins are, are fantastic. Absolutely, <laughs>
1: just <laughs> massive. Um, it was funny uh, on Monday we had um, Nathan and Gora Gaurav outside from Intelligent Investor, and just. Wasn't, we didn't look at Dusk. Uh, I forget who we're talking about. And he, uh, uh, Shryo, um which I didn't know much about, and mm. um, he was a big fan of it. And he said, you know, Dusk is in a similar group. Small, understated company, gone under the radar, but margin's fantastic. Mm. So,
0: It's a, a simple business model, right? You yeah. go to China or Southeast Asia, you find your product, uh, you package it up, market it nicely, and then sell it on these enormous margins. Um, So kudos to to management. But these sorts of companies, I struggle to get that excited about because you start asking questions for how long can they maintain this competitive advantage? Um, Will customer fashions change, taste change? Sure, people are spending a lot more on retail at the moment, not traveling overseas. There's an enormous number that Australians spend each year traveling overseas, which at the moment just isn't happening the number got released the other day, and it's not a number you hear too often, but it was astronomical. It was almost as big as the, the retail market annually um, in and of itself. So, but look, Dust, they're looking to roll out more and more stores. They've got over 100 stores now, looking to get up mm. to 160 by 2024. Um, so it's one of these roll-up growth plays. Um, it's just wow. the question is, can each new store continue to add marginally the same amount, if not more over time? Um, for mine, it would have been a wonderful IPO to be involved with, but... <laughs> At these
2: prices, I'll be steering clear.
1: Yeah. What about you, Chris? Yeah, or I'll be steering clear steering at these clear?
2: prices as well. I mean, okay. I try and look where's the market going to be in three years' time. Yeah, it's going to be bigger or smaller. Yeah. It All should right. be marginally bigger, but does you know if the if the pie's not growing, they've got to execute so beautifully well to maintain yeah. those margins, and a lot of that's already factored into the price. So okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be buying right. those.
1: Okay, uh, Michael, um, Dave wants a view on Linus, the world's mm-hmm. second largest producer of rare earths um, and the biggest producer outside of China. Uh, share price up over 40% yeah, year been, to date at yeah. the moment. It's been huge um, beneficiary of some support out of the United States as well.
0: It's Look, it's done an amazing job in getting those assets up and running. Uh, their production numbers have been very, very good. Given the lofty prices of some of the rare earths at the moment, um, they've been achieving their best quarter ever in, in terms mm-hmm. of sales. Uh, and so they should well, be. they're not really in this rare, are they? No, they're are not rare really us? rare, but outside of China, they're quite rare. Yes. Um, but they've got a very high quality, probably the highest quality asset in the world out of WA. Yep. Um, they've got a processing facility in Malaysia, which has caused them a bit of headaches um, in the years gone by, but at the moment seems to be operating quite nicely, although it's only. Because it's quite.
1: Am I, do I understand this uh, right, but the processing of rare earths um, is quite polluting? And I, I, look, like I that think like that. I must is that admit the reason why it's in, in Malaysia, I think?
0: There's only, and I think it's quite controversial over there yes. with different politicians wanting to yes. get it moved elsewhere and so on yep. and so forth. Uh, I must admit it's never a company that, I, that I've owned. It is quite a cyclical business. It's had these moments in the sun going back five, six, seven years ago. Um, It went through a very, very challenging period and then sort of was picked up again. So for mine, I'll be steering clear at the moment. Look, there could be a very large commodity cycle that does unfold and and supported by things like electric vehicles and and different other environmentally friendly technologies, which rare earths are required
2: in. But for mine, um, I'm not that keen on it.
1: Okay, Chris? I guess
2: I could separate what I think it will do yeah. to would you invest in it? Because I think it'll probably go higher. And yep. that's because of its strategic advantage outside yep. of China, which have about 90% of the market. Yep. They're really it. They've yep. got the yep. biggest, best quality product. And they're just opening a new facility in Texas, which gives yep. them another 5,000 tonnes over in Texas, which is which, so important for Which them the
1: US do. is backing, isn't it, the 100%. US government and encouraging it so they don't have to buy from China. apparently. Um, for the F-35 mm. fighter jet, they need 417 kilos of rare earth materials to build one. Yep. And for the stealth fighter jet. So
2: So we've got demand going up. Yeah, they're yep. not rare, but to actually be able to produce yep. them at that great and, and to they're refine them China. is very rare. Yep. So it, this is strategically important, this business. Yep. So for that reason, I demand's going up. I think it will keep going up while it's got US backing. But the key risk point and what really almost toppled this business almost went broke was when china's influence really cracked down in malaysia and created a lot of problems Um, for them so when you've got that big risk so to speak hanging over a chinese risk over a business i'd be just cautious for people getting into it notwithstanding i I do think it can keep going but what a run from just a dollar back in march up to five dollars fifty so because they
1: completed a capital raise recently didn't they four hundred million dollars to fund a processing facility in Kalgoorlie. So mm. they're hoping apparently to decouple from Malaysia yeah. for want of a better description, to, yeah. to spread that sovereign risk.
2: Correct. And it does have that sovereign risk, yeah. but it's hard to recommend. And certainly at this yeah. price, it's hard to recommend. Okay. All
1: right. Thank you for that, Dave. Uh, good suggestion and discussion there on Linus. Uh, Chris James wants uh, a view on Index. Um, <laughs> uh, they provide Drilling fluid Mm. products, don't they? For people, mining companies go out and explore and drill. This is sort of of, I almost think this is a mining version of a SaaS software business. But Mm. it's all in providing the um, uh, the ancillary materials uh, like drilling fluids. It's like um, um, your your carbon for Mm. copiers and stuff like that um, uh, to do it and. Um, in the oil and gas sector
2: it is and they also do more general mining for exploration so here's the thing with a business like this it's very cyclical so you've got to take a view that we're not at the end of this commodity cycle for whatever and with all the stimulus and the rebuilding that will happen post COVID, the cycles probably got a couple of years to go so with a backdrop of growth for the next few years I think this business should do quite well it is a small business it, it's a price taker. So again, as soon as the things turn, they're the first to be um, <clears throat> repriced right. in the market, okay. shall we say, and put them under pressure very, very quickly. No one's pe- going to tell people you people stop it stops.
1: their exploration. Do they? Yeah, when, we'll just yeah. reprice
2: because right. all of a sudden there's less demand for their yeah. um, engineering services, their their um, fluid for drill, yep. drill drill services. So. Um, interesting, they already announced their dividend before their results. That shows a lot of confidence in your results when you can <laughs> announce your dividend. So I'd expect the news next week when they do announce their results to be good. Uh, but again, it's trading a, a premium to yeah. historical highs. So look, again, Five year high. I'm happy to Ooh. hold it because I think the the sector is going to stay friendly for them for the next year or two. But just be cautious. It's a really little player. It's not a Wally Parsons of the world, right? Where you right. need to play with the big boys. <clears throat> this is there's a lot of people that do what they do. It's happy when everyone wants what you've got, but that may yep. change any time. So, yeah, I wouldn't be buying it, but I do think it can go a little bit higher given those favourable tailwinds. Okay, um, it's a business I've never heard of until today, and on the reading I've done, it seems like a very
0: good proposition. Um, it's got that combination of being a tech business in the mining space. Mm. Both of those sectors have been doing. Very well. uh, In recent years, they've obviously got one part to their business, which is around sort of the drilling fluids, but then they've got another part, which is about uh, installing sensors to feedback real-time information about how your drilling processes are going. So in a world where miners are looking to reduce costs um, and drive efficiencies and things like that, um, this is a business that could stand out and do very, very well. Though it is only a very small company, they're really establishing themselves, there. Their numbers that they're delivering are very, very good. Um, But again, at these prices and having only read over it today, uh, it's difficult for me to put it as a buy. So I'll go with a hold for now.
1: Okay. All right. Um, Now, Nick, uh, Michael wants a view on Farmost. Nick, you're pretty excited about uh, this business. Uh, of course, it's uh, uh, a pharmaceutical company to um, tackling cancers, not only in humans, but also animals. Uh, and uh, Nick sent in a bit of a briefing for us on the, the background of the company, which is good. It's uh, in phase one human and phase two canine trials for cancer treatment. Also uh, received a grant from Fight MND to conduct phase one and two trials in um, uh, the fight against motor neuron disease. Got $4 million in the bank and uh, uh, looks as though some of the trials are gonna start in the US and EU.
0: Yeah, so look, it's a a startup sort of biotech, if you like. Um, Their their specialty, supposedly, uh, is taking existing marketed drugs and trying to improve them. So lower the, the risks associated with taking those drugs. Uh, lower the production costs and things like that. They did have a moment in the sun going back to the middle of last year when COVID was unfolding. I think they might have turned their hat to COVID research. That would have been had July early, and August. Yeah, think? <laughs> that's about right. That's had some early success and that sort of fizzled out for yep, them. Yep. So now they're turning their attention back to the core business. Um, look, it's, oh, look, it's highly speculative. They've obviously got a couple of good clinical trials in process, but it's a very binary situation. If they have some... Wonderful results from these clinical trials, they'll spike and, and have a, a yeah. great performance. But as what happens more often than not, the clinical trials disappoint on one level or another, uh, and the price can be quite volatile. So for mine, it's not something that we normally look at for clients.
1: Yeah, and looks from that graph um, and the 12 month one, fairly illiquid yeah, as well, you can doesn't, see that. doesn't move around much.
2: Chris? I'm going to give Nick some hope. We're going to pump <laughs> up his tires a little bit. So I know this business reasonably well. I've been through the journey. Uh, it is an example of repurposing a drug. They originally had a sheep worming uh, ah. uh, product, if you like, and they found their sheep didn't seem to be getting tumors. Uh, and then there was a professor looking in oncology mm. and actually trialled it in humans to see if it was safe. It seemed to have some effect on stopping tumors. So its property is to stop tumor cells uh, creating proteins um, to build, build new tumor cells, basically. Mm. So it interrupts this mTOR process. Right. So they've gone back, they've trialed it in humans, and it's safe. So that's a big tick. They've gone back into dogs um, that had tumors and had a month to live, and they seem to be living longer, which is good for people that don't want to put an old dog through chemo. Right. So they're doing that trial again in the US. They've just started that trial. Obviously, if they can prove it in, in uh, animals, That's a huge market by itself, but then they'll be progressing back into the human trials. So not for the faint-hearted. They do have a little bit of cash in the bank. They're going to need more along the way, Nick. So be prepared to support this business if they come back to the market. But the prizes are huge. And I think when you get repurposed drugs, you generally have more data and generally they're safe. So they've been studied a lot. But I'd get a portfolio of them. There's others I follow like Paradigm, which has done very well. It's too expensive now. Have a look at Invex. And have a look at Chimeric, which is just listed. So there's two others that have Actually, had drugs That's, that's that they're that's repurposing. That's quite,
1: quite a good idea, isn't it? Sort of you can have a nibble at a portfolio mm. and if one of the three comes off...
2: Oh, it'll be up and the 10 or 20 times, yeah, so it doesn't exactly matter. Right. But, but we don't that's know what way the way results are going it. to be. And with these sort of ones, it is high yeah. risk. Um, hopefully the prizes are the same, but when they're repurposed, the chances of success are higher. And that's yeah. why I like these ones. As a opposed to a brand new molecule trying to treat a cancer. Yeah. Which is really hard. I must so, admit on
1: Sunrise, we do lots of health breakthroughs and usually they come from another drug yeah. that has miraculously had an effect on something else mm-hmm. and it is amazing how often that happens and by the sound of
2: it, this sort of company another, focuses on it. Another that. classic example. Yeah. So. Yeah, you'll need to be a little brave, Nick, but uh, the upside potentials there, they do have some data, but it is at the risky end. I certainly wouldn't be leveraging the house on it. And don't be afraid to get a few of them if you're happy, you know, to risk this money. um, And you do have to be able to risk this money because you see it go from 24 cents to 10 cents on on some right. negative news, um, and if you're not up for that, I'd stay away. But uh, it's a really interesting business, the one you want, one of many you want to do well, because yeah, yeah. it'll be saving lives. But uh, yeah, just be a little cautious so and I'll maybe hold look at, hold feel on I'm, that. I'm happy to it. buy it here, but right, with the caveat, okay. it is high risk, and I would look to have yeah. it as part of a portfolio.
1: That's a really interesting way of doing it. No one's mentioned that um, to us on the call before. With these little stocks, they always. Uh, these pharmaceuticals or biotechs, they say, look, you got to, it is a journey. You've mm. got to be there and along the way. And it's all about the story, as a la Miso Blast, every time yeah. there's a good story, yeah. it's <laughs> and well, exactly. flaming all over yeah. the place. Yeah. But you buy, if you're interested in it, because I reckon it's great The companies like this are listed on the market, mm. and the markets are helping sort of research and medical research, Absolutely. hopefully to do good things. Mm. So, yeah. Buy a little portfolio of it. And uh, as you say, if one takes off, it's usually in a big way. All right. Thank you for that, Nick. Um, A really really good analysis there. Uh, Alex wants a view, Chris, on Family Zone. Now, this is uh, a tech business in the cyber safety area. They sort of um, have a a family ecosystem that parents can follow um, their kids' digital footprint and things like that and Mm. be alerted.
2: This is what I love about this show, because sometimes you get to look at stocks you've looked at in the past and gone under the radar. I've used Zone oh, at home, right? And that was originally set up because I've got four children, different yeah. ages, and we want to control what they could see on the Internet and at what time. So we could switch off their access. So it started out as that sort of business. Yep. The exciting thing of what they're doing now, and this is why um, I'd encourage people to do their research on this, because it's a high growth, high risk business that's doing quite well. That's that chart's actually trending up a little bit from November. It hasn't gone vertical, which I actually like. Yeah. Um, But this is a business that now um, provides uh, Internet access and security and protection over one and a half million American students. So they've got three percent of the American um, student population and growing at 100 percent year on year. So they've actually gone to all these schools, thousands of schools and say, we will help protect your students while they're at school getting access to your, um, your Wi-Fi about what they can ah. and can't see so they can't do bullying and blah blah blah. They so can't search so rather they than a family ecosystem, they're doing a school ecosystem. And that's where the explosive oh, gee, that's growth smart, is, yes. It? So that's why I think what a great idea. Once they've got a foothold, yes. 3% doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a significant inroad and they can really leverage off that in different states and hopefully have that um, snowball effect. Hmm. So. Definitely an exciting business. I'm going to do some more work on it. I'll put it as a cautious buy until I've done more work. But a business that has been around for a while um, since it listed, probably listed too early to be fair, like a lot of these little businesses, good tech ideas. But I think they've found their niche, particularly in the States, which is a huge market. So go and have a look.
1: Because there's, uh, that's really smart because there's all this argument, should you let kids uh, have mobile phones at school or access the internet or whatever, if it was part of a school ecosystem and as mm. a parent you could trust it and you would, uh, a school ecosystem, you wouldn't mind so much, would you?
2: Yeah, That's I mean, a they've really got to solve the problem because people have that technology yeah. and if they're on their laptops in work, you know, in school, they've got to look things up. Yeah, fascinating. Right? Mm. Uh, uh, Michael? Uh, look, it's a great, interesting
0: sort of modern new age business and I yeah. think that. The growth is potentially extreme in something like this. I think they've got over 3,000 schools now on the platform. They signed up around 500 last financial year. So there is good growth and it's applicable not only to just the basic family relationship, you know, mother, father, daughter, son relationship. You've got the school relationship, You potentially got the same sort of thing that's applicable at universities when everyone's sitting there in lectures doing their own thing. So this has a, a very large addressable market. It's just a matter of getting the momentum to the next level. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge for this company. Uh, revenues have been growing quite well. Earnings have been under pressure as they look to to keep reinvesting into the business. But I think it's definitely one to, to keep an eye on. And I could have a, a tentative buy on it too, actually. Right, okay. Oh, good. This cash flow generation is pretty good as well. So yeah, it, it's a company I think that has some legs in this, in this new age environment where everyone's on their phone or their laptop yep. the whole time.
1: Yep. Nice to know. And concerned about...
0: Yeah, absolutely, and
1: being protected, um, sort of from predators and the whole lot. Mm. It's really good. Mm. All right, great business, Alex. Thanks for that suggestion. Uh, Let's just recap the uh, the first five stocks, including the stock of the day, Redbubble. uh, A no from Michael. Chris um, likes it. Would buy it on a pullback if you could get it back around five dollars. Dusk a no from both of them. Linus a no. Good company, strategic uh, position. Very expensive at the moment. Uh, index a hold from Michael, a no from Chris. Uh, Farmost a, um, a a yes from Chris. Uh, highly speculative uh, buy um, and a really good suggestion from Chris. If you're interested in this sector, um, have a couple in your portfolio. Have a little nibble at each, but just so you get a bit of diversity. Um, a no from Michael and Family Zone um a again I'm not sort of a, a foundation buy but a nice little uh, speculative buy from both uh, Michael and Chris there as well um all right if um, um, if you want to uh, any stocks that uh, here on the call that get two ticks of approval like um, family zone just have go into the calls portfolio thanks to our Partner, NAB trade the call portfolio is if you like a, a fantasy portfolio, we have um, any stocks that get the nod go in. Those stocks come up again as part of a, a different panel and don't get unanimous approval, they then go out again. Let's see uh, how we've been going on the calls portfolio up a bit over one and a half percent for the week, three percent for the month, and up almost twenty eight percent since the first of July. Uh, Some of the stocks recently added, ALE Property Group, Shriro, City Chic, Raise Invest, Northern Star. Some of the ones taken out, uh, South32, Enviro Suite, MFF Capital Investments. If you want to take a look at all the stocks in the Calls portfolio, go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And EBOS Group uh, has come out with their half yearly results Uh, later today. Chief Executive John Cullity joining us. On the pulse just after the call here just after 1pm stick around for that on what those results mean for shareholders all right um chris uh, ben wants a view on aerometrics now this is uh, rival to near map mm. um and uh recently uh, aerometrics um Got their first enterprise client in, in the United States, a US defense contractor. What do you think of Aerometrics and Nearmap? Of course, been in the news the last week or so. <laughs> it has
2: absolutely. Look, I, uh, we at Morgan's really like Aerometrics. I think you need to hold a business like this for a few years. Yep. Um, they've got a fantastic 2D and 3D super high resolution uh, mapping um, technology. Arguably, their 3D is superior to Nearmap. They're much smaller than NearMap, but that whole sector of people using it, whether it's for surveys, whether it's for coastal erosion, they're doing a lot with uh, these special LIDAR machines to look at uh, foliage um, for bushfire prone zones. Obviously with what's happened in California and Australia, that's a huge growth market. And as you said, they just sold their first 3D high resolution data set to a a contractor to the US Department of Defense. So that's at the big boys end of the market. Um, give it a little bit time. It got uh, knocked about a r- little bit through COVID, of course, it came out of the gates with a very strong IPO. But if you're prepared to hold it, I think we've got a price target of $1.83. Uh, mm. I think it uh, represents some good value here, to be honest. I mean, it's okay. had a tough year, hasn't affected the quality of the business and the offering. Um, because a lot of it's not necessarily must have technology. So people have deferred a little bit of this value add technology. Yep. Um, that'll come in this year. Now, results are next Thursday. So with a business uh, like right. this, I'm prepared to wait for the results. Right. Okay. If you miss five or six cents on this stock, that's not why you're buying it. Let's get the full information. And hopefully, Michael said, we'll get an outlook or some sort of update on where they think things are trending for this year so right. far. Okay. Um, but I like that business. I like their technology. I like their long-term size of the market, which we've talked yeah. about. I think their market will be bigger in three years than they're really good at.
1: Because a lot of people say, oh, who wants higher re- resolution aerial photographs? But when you start to think about it, it's a massive market, isn't it? Even yeah. even to councils, even to real, real estate agents and mm. surveyors for property and farmers and yep. let alone defence. It's, it's endless, isn't it?
0: Yeah, look, it's again, a business I haven't heard of. Um, Typically we focus on ASX 300 sort of stuff. Um, I think these must be all Morgan's IPOs that Chris is on top (laughs) of it so well. (laughs) But um, no, look, it's definitely an interesting business and the diversity of their customer base at the moment, they've got Microsoft, CSIRO, Australian Government, Google. So it just shows you all the different potential applications for a company like this. And the key for them is to continue to go out bring on new contracts and uh, new customers and then start to see those flow through to the bottom line. But at the moment, it's again in, in the speculative stage, it was a, a very good IPO that sort of drifted of late. Um, but if they can continue to get some runs on the board, um, continue to broaden the number of customers that they've, they've got and start to see some revenue and some cash actually hitting the balance sheet, then there's no reason why it can't replicate what Nearmap has done at various points in its history. Right. Okay, But um, for now, it's a, a, a no for me. A no from you. Okay. Um,
1: gee, um, just on NearMap, um, they were attacked in the last week by a short-selling group who put out a terrible report on them. Um, I thought how NearMap tackled that mm. was almost a textbook way of doing it for other companies who get attacked by short-sellers. They, they seem yep. to do it really well. Answered every question, Took it head on, didn't just slag them, said, don't think it's right because we've done this, this, and this.
0: I think it depends. It depends on who's writing the report, whether they've got any street cred or not. Um, Ah, Some companies. So, this one, Walter? Probably not as much as some of the ones in the past, but there's been a a number in the last recent years um, of businesses that have been attacked in that similar yep. way. Yep. Uh, and a few of them have turned out to be accurate from those writing the short report. If you go back to things like Slater and Gordon and right. and even Blue Sky Investments, these sorts mm. of companies were targeted and as it turned awesome. out, rightly so. Yep. Um, others have fared better, such as um, corporate travel management comes to mind. There's been others for Credit Corp, which haven't worked as well. Yeah. Um, but I think um, the map, from what I did read briefly, did handle it quite well. You just got to take yeah. it on the chin and try and rebut exactly what they're saying. But yeah. if, you're, if you're a management type these days, I think you'd have to have somewhere stored away in your playbook a response for any short attack <laughs> that could Absolutely. come your way because yeah. I think it's it, it's a decent enough chance yeah. um, and, it, and it's starting to become a lot more frequent and there's a lot more yeah. activist investors out there. Mm. Cool.
2: And I guess if you really are comfortable with your business yeah. and what you're doing under the under the scenes, it's a little bit easier to respond yeah, no, no <laughs> <laughs> when you know they're a skeleton yeah. that's
1: a very good point that's mm. a very good point yep all right um, now uh, Michael David wants a group on Ashley, Sur- Ashley services uh, they're a provider of training recruitment and labor hire uh, 21 officers round Australia
0: yeah, so this is a business that's been around for, for a while. Um, and it's obviously had a decent track record of assisting companies in, in all these different areas. Uh, it, tra- it trades on a very low multiple. It's kind of a, it's not a bad business. It's just a very sort of old world business in an era where we're looking at companies trading on 100 times revenue and n- not earning money, you know, having loss after loss after loss. Um, Paying no dividends, Ashley Services harps back to probably a a bygone era now looking at markets where it trades on lower than 10 times PE, um, pays a 6.5% dividend yield, and they've got some decent growth in earnings, I think close to double digits. So there are definitely traits to like about a company like this, but it's not going to necessarily shoot the lights out like many companies that people have become accustomed to. But that's not a bad thing. if they can consistently grow their revenue, get their earnings a little bit more consistent than they've been in terms of earnings growth, I think that share yep. price has some legs. But if you're looking for a decent yield, a company that's established with a decent customer base, then this is a company that I think ticks the boxes. But for hmm. mine, I just think, again, if you're looking at your portfolio of 20 businesses or so, this is probably not in that top okay. 20 for me, so it's not All a right.
1: buy. And they, got, they had the reason for the line in the... Um, going nowhere in that twenty eighteen period was they had that class action that they mm. had to mm. settle and were in the courts for a while. Uh, Chris?
2: Yes, and I think they moved <laughs> forward from that. So I yeah. guess to answer for David, what 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 do we recommend you do? Uh, my gut feel is it's probably going a little bit higher from here. Uh, it's done very well considering the shutdowns in Victoria. So a lot of their labor mm. hire and. Uh, uh, training business was skewed to Victoria as well. So okay. assuming that comes back online, it's going to be a lot of training to catch up on, hopefully some hiring. I would imagine they've benefited somewhat from JobKeeper as well during this time that have supported jobs and supported those training and hiring programs. Uh, but it's, it's a small niche little business. It will flop around given economic conditions. We don't know how the second half of this year goes. We hope it'll go well. Um, so it's not one I'd recommend to buy for my clients, but for David, I think it's probably going a little bit higher. Uh, it's got a good little niche. It pays a great dividend. I think you're getting a 1.8 cent dividend first half, fully franked, which is pretty good to hold. Mm. And uh, they've almost got back to their pre-COVID levels again. So we can probably see overshoot those levels given uh, okay. the impact of Victoria coming back on stream. So yeah, probably going a little higher. So Don't be afraid to hold it, but yeah, it's not a core holding for us either.
1: Okay, all right, there you go. Uh, David, thank you for that. Um, Now, Leon wants a view on Oliver's, and Leon says, I have future dreams of Oliver's being like the McDonald's of healthy food takeaway. Um, So, Leon, that's a a very big target to aspire to, but will it be a good investment? Um, It's healthy fast food chain, 25 companies, uh, 24 company-owned stores throughout Australia. And if you're driving from Newcastle to Sydney, there's mm. one on the freeway, the motorway there. Uh, Lib and I, I think we're coming back from Ballina or something, and you expect a McDonald's in those mm. sort of stops on motorways. So it was an Oliver's. We thought, oh, what, what the hell's this? Went inside. It's actually really good. It was healthy mm. takeaway, which yeah. I know can be a contradiction in terms sometimes.
2: So, Liam, I'm going to separate these two. I hope they do well as well. Uh, I always end up at the uh, Oliver's there at uh, um, the big Merino there at Goulburn. Uh, they do good Oh, they coffee. got one there too? Yeah, yeah oh, they do good right. healthy food and for the kids, okay. some go over to Subway and some go to Oliver's. So, right. I love the business. I love the founders. I love the ethos. Uh, they've got 24 stores. The challenges I have, they've had too many... Issues since they've been listed. They've almost right. been broke. Um, they couldn't handle traffic management. They struggled with turnaround speed and speeding up because it is fast food. So you yes. need to be fast when you get a lot of people. Right. Um, Look, and, and it should have worked. This is an idea, Leon. Yeah. I agree, should have worked. We're all but, part
1: of the cheer squad.
2: Yeah, yeah but it's stuck <laughs> at 24 stores. They've done a little deal with uh, um, EG Fuel Co, and they've just started two of those franchise stores. So hopefully oh. that will be another okay. model to have a mini Oliver's in some of these yeah. fuel stops and servos. So look.
1: And they just organised some line of credit too recently, didn't they? Yeah, which so they've take. got a pulse.
2: Yeah. So, but they've had so much reputational damage in the marketplace. I can't recommend this stock to you, Leon. Not that I don't want them. I wish I'm wrong on this one. And maybe these steps with, they've had a bit of new management. They've got a bit more credit. They're trying this franchise model. Maybe they will get their way out of it. Because I'd love to see 150, 200 of these stores right around the country. Because I think they've got a a good offering, certainly better than those fast food offerings for people Mm. that want something. But Just tough.
1: Michael?
0: Yeah, look. it's. Again, it's noble ideas and and hopefully would work, but it just unfortunately hasn't. And I think going back a couple of years ago, management lost a lot of credibility with the market with a number of confusing statements. I think they had an earnings result which showed a loss and then management came out and spoke about a positive earnings number when that wasn't the case. Um, There's been a couple of other strange comments along the way as well. Um, they are trying things to sort of rejuvenate the company, um, but I'm not sure that those changes will actually make any difference if not in, sort of de, um, decrease the quality of their offering. Because yeah. so essentially what they're doing is they're trying to um, introduce third parties to take away some of the preparation on site. And often, you know, rather than making the sandwich there in front of you and it's mm. truly fresh, if you, all of a sudden you're bringing that in and it starts to become right. a bit older or whatever, it doesn't taste as good, that might have a negative impact on the the quality of your product, uh, despite saving you some money. They are releasing some of the home brand juices and things like that as well, which can hopefully uh, boost their margins for them. But it's a company I think that is struggling and I
2: see no reason why it's going to turn around anytime soon. I actually think it's got all the hallmarks of private equity yeah. potentially coming in and gobbling this up for the right. strategic sites, put in some money, yeah. better management and really execute on bottom line. So. It's sitting down at these numbers with that market cap of 17 million or whatever it is. It's tiny. It's looking vulnerable. And that might be the best outcome at this point for investors. They get a little cheeky offer.
1: Isn't that interesting, though, because you come to the market with a great story and Mm. uh, probably a great privately run business. Yep. But then you list, and the blowtorch is really put to you, Mm. isn't it? Sort Mm. of your, your statements become very public. You know, you may be. A founder that loves the business, great at the business, but hey, you can't muck around with your messaging to That's markets. Right. Mm. Uh, it goes up five to 10 notches, doesn't it? Yes. Um, and and you've got to survive that. Yeah. And if you you know, make a, a couple of missteps, it's really hard to get everyone That's back there. again. Yes. It becomes it's
0: hard to raise money, raise yes. capital to implement the changes that you want to make, and uh, all of a sudden it becomes a, a real struggle and you become starved of cash and yeah, it becomes a difficult proposition.
1: Yeah, but a great idea, mm. <laughs> private equity was yep. probably supercharged, and <laughs> and then it will come come back on the market. Probably have a coffee with one of them right now. Yeah, go, yeah. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> All right, Chris. Uh, Rory wants a uh, view on Red Cape uh, mm. because Red Cape's chief executive was uh, on just before the call came on air um, uh, this afternoon. Uh, Rory says it will be fantastic to get some thoughts on this hotel group as government support is wound back, and mm. particularly the effect on gaming. They own 33 hotels uh, throughout Australia. Um, is it similar to ALE? Is that that same sector? I, I guess. Sector? They've, got,
2: they've got 32 pubs that have poker machines, primarily in Sydney, Greater Sydney. Right. Uh, They've got 21 in Sydney, Greater Sydney, and the rest are a smattering here, a tiny bit in Queensland, but really New South Wales century. Um, They've obviously borrowed a lot of money, and money's become a lot more cheap, which is great for them in terms of servicing that. They have definitely been saved by JobKeeper, as you can imagine. And probably, to be fair, being saved by a summer where Sydney-siders couldn't really travel too far, so they've had uh, an, an amazing... Uh, set of circumstances, look at that, they they halved or more than halved. They're almost back to where they were pre-COVID. The question is, where are they going from here? Um, now, you could argue probably the value of their property underlying it might go up a little bit as yep. borrowing costs have come down and yields can be lower. That should put um, some support to the value of their property assets. Um, but again, you know, you know, know, revenue is up 7% year on year, profit up 46%. Can it continue? I don't know. I mean, we've got so many choice of four or 5,000 shares in this marketplace yeah. again, playing great yield. Um, there's a big uncertainty as JobKeeper rolls off, as people start traveling again overseas, are they going to still keep going to these same pubs? I've got too many question marks on this. If you've ridden right. the the down to up, I'd probably say thank you. I've got out of jail and uh, look right. for other opportunities. Okay. When you assess a, a business like this, because
1: um, they own what, thirty. Uh, of the 33 hotels, or 31 of the 33 hotels freehold, mm. only two are leasehold. Mm. Does, do you see them as uh, an ongoing pub concern, or do you do it just for the property value?
2: Look, I mean, really, it's the real estate play. Obviously, the earnings yeah. per pub determine the value of the property, yeah, yeah, right? You know, or you, you can redevelop rate. it yeah, to yeah. put some high rise. But yeah. that's why I think it will be supported by. The valuations and they're supported because interest rates are at zero so yeah. they've got support yeah. this business so maybe you can hold it for a bit longer but the patronage can they continue the earnings over the next three years because again i'm trying to look three years out how's this business going to look yeah i don't know yeah. when i don't know it looks fully valued i start to look at other opportunities certainly not putting a buy saying out of these 20 stocks as michael yeah. was saying i'm going to remove yeah. one of those and yeah. i'm going to buy this instead yeah. and that's the choice we have to make for invest- yeah. uh, for yeah. investors no well. oh, good point
0: Michael? Um, look, I think it's not a bad company in that they own very good quality assets. Um, the pub market in Sydney has been doing incredibly well and across the country. Um, but as and that, the, and as they know the, how
1: to run pubs too, don't that's they? That's right. I mean, and, and they, they run them art.
0: themselves, um, which <laughs> means that they can probably extract higher margins or yep. higher returns from those assets as so they don't have to pay out the management fee or, or whatever it might be. So. They've got some very good quality assets. Um, They're obviously running the pubs fairly well. Um, JobKeeper is going to come off, so will that cost control, which they've been so good at, still remain under control? Uh, So there are definitely some question marks, but if if you're going into this as an investor, wanting exposure to the pub sector, um, and basically a real estate investment trust type business, um, then this isn't a bad, Option wow. it pays you five six percent yield. You just got to be confident enough that as JobKeeper starts to taper off, uh, that the patronage of these pubs is still going to remain. So you look constant. at this as
1: a REIT? Well, it's pubs. somewhat
0: basically, yeah. It's yeah, it's a, it's a right. specialised uh, property investment vehicle. Um, yeah. So you're getting pure exposure to pubs, nothing else. They've got a couple of uh, accommodation facilities, I think three or four as well, but. The vast majority of their revenue and the vast majority of their income, the vast majority where your dividend comes from is from the pub game. And hopefully yeah. over time, as they restate the value of their assets, you get a bit of uplift in asset valuations too. But right. I think it's not a bad way to play uh, the pub sector and gain exposure to the pub sector mm-hmm. as an individual investor. But I wouldn't be buying it at the moment right. just because of all the factors that, that Chris mentioned. Yeah. Um, we're not really sure how the JobKeeper rolling off is going to affect them. And also, will the, the the numbers of people attending their, their venues yeah. remain at these lofty levels? Even once there are other alternatives, such as sporting fixtures, overseas travel, interstate yeah. travel and whatnot.
1: Because we had ALE on the call last week. I'm just checking through the notes here. Or the week before, which is... All the Woolworths, yeah, ex- Woolworths pubs. That's sort of in the. Woolworths same. Yeah, we oh, still okay, own indirectly well, and you know, own a big share start, in them, yeah.
0: but it's basically yeah. a separate vehicle now. Yeah, and I think there's another one that runs some of Coles' assets too. Right, okay. So there's a All couple right. of different options out there.
1: All right, uh, thank you for that, Rory. Um, now Shane wants a view. Uh, Michael, on MOLUS Australia, um, the financial services group, only what floated about four or five years ago. Uh, The boss of MOLUS is also the president of the Sydney Swans, if you're an AFL fan. Um, (laughs) And uh, I always thought it was sort of set up to almost be a mini Macquarie. Uh, Share price hasn't done a mini Macquarie (laughs) sort of result.
0: And they haven't been doing too badly. I mean... They've got a, a very diversified business these days. They state yeah. that they're looking to sort of lean more towards the annuity type business model, which is what Macquarie's done so well in over the last 10 years. Um, so basically, they've got two parts. They've got the asset management business, where they'll go and they'll purchase a couple of assets, raise money to purchase those assets, and then charge the ongoing management fee. So, mm. for instance, they bought the big pub up in Byron Bay on the beach, mm. Molus. The beach. Um, the, Be- the Beach, Beach Hotel, Beach whatever Hotel. it's called, Ridge, they've yeah. also
1: hogs uh, H- and Strop. And then the old uh, Kinsella's
0: as well, um, and a courthouse, the courthouse, at Taylor Square. Square. So they've yeah. put together these little vehicles, raise money for those funds and charge an ongoing management and performance fee. Yeah. So that's the asset management annuity type of the business that's been doing quite well for them. Then they've got the corporate finance equities type business. and. And that's quite competitive these days. You've got Jardin, the big um, New Zealand investment bank that's really built a presence in Australia. You've got Baron Joey, uh, which is another new investment vehicle that's sort of popped up uh, from, from nowhere really. And you have obviously got the trad- traditional investment banks. Mm-hmm. And that's been a challenging year for them or a more challenging year for them with COVID. Obviously, a lot of deals got put on hold. There wasn't as much uh, M&A or, or IPOs mm-hmm. as potentially in previous years, or maybe they weren't as involved in many in as many as from previous years. So that's the part of the business that didn't do so well this year. But I think all in all, they're a a well-run business with a lot of good growth areas, but it's just hard to get all parts of that business moving at once. And you've got to make a decision. Do I just go for a Macquarie or do I want a specialist fund manager like Magellan say, uh, or do I want something more diversified like a a Mollus or even a bank? So there's lots of questions you have to make an answer um, and a lot of decisions you have to make. So at the moment, Mollus wouldn't be my preferred pick. Right, okay. What would be? I'd prefer, say, just a straight-out Macquarie on that recovery play globally. Obviously, there's a lot of stimulus, not only in Australia, but internationally, um, infrastructure potentially as well is going to get a little big shot in the arm, not just in Australia, but overseas. And I think they're in a pretty good position to benefit from that, not to mention they had a very good update only, I think, a week or two ago. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they... Floated at two fifty, then raised eighteen months later at five bucks. Yep. Fell to one hundred fifty and they're almost yeah. all the way back. Yeah. So again yeah. a yeah.
2: classic recovery trade from that hiccup we see on almost every chart uh, last year. We yes. just pretend that never yeah. happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving forward. So for Shane, look, Mollis, I think we'll have more favorable conditions this year. So let's start, at least for this year. Hmm. I think there'll be a lot more M and A activity because that's how businesses with access to finance are going to grow through acquisition. I think there'll be more listed floats, more placements as listed companies um, look to continue to grow and uh, companies look to list. So I think that side of their business will definitely pick up. So if you're a holder, Shane, I'll probably keep holding, you probably get another 10-15% yep. uh, out of them. But I agree 100% um, for new investors or people looking at that um, you 10-20 know, core portfolio, Macquarie's just got a more diversified, bigger balance sheet. They really have got that model sorted around global deals, global infrastructure. You've got income coming from overseas, which has been a little headwind with that very strong Aussie dollar. But given that update, um, and they're just a master of return of equity at the moment, (laughs) Macquarie. So happy to buy them. Certainly in a pullback, I'd rather own Macquarie than Mollus. So for that reason, given we're almost at all time highs, much more comfortable recommending that. So,
1: So size, and brand, I suppose, with Macquarie, and balance sheet, and, and momentum right.
2: as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we talked about they have momentum firing on most of their divisions. There's one or two, but those one or two yeah. we think will pick up. Whereas Molus obviously is and don't have that market brand or share. Yeah. They are competing against a lot of people all pitching for the okay. same business. The yeah. only reason I'm comfortable with still holding it is because the amount of business is picking up. Right. So right. as long as they get their fair share, they should be right. And Macquarie right. is a global business.
0: This is just yeah. the Mollus Australia. Mollus yeah. does exist overseas, but you're not getting yeah. exposure to exactly. what's going on overseas. Came kind out of New York, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah Ken and it's been Mollus. very successful and they've had a great run. This is purely just the Australian component yeah. of that business.
1: Okay. All right. Let's recap our final five stocks. Uh, Euromet- Aerometrics, rather, uh, No, from Michael. And a yes from Chris, but wait till after Thursday when the results come out. Mm. Oh well,
2: yeah, <laughs> uh, well. or
1: just tomorrow, so uh, and see how it goes. Uh, Ashley Services, uh, good traditional company, but uh, is probably too expensive now. Wouldn't fit in your twenty portfolio. Uh, Oliver's, everyone's rooting for it, I think, um, but. Uh, Really has had some missteps over the last couple of years and doing it really tough at the moment. Uh, Red Cape, no, and um, a no for Molus, and uh, both guys uh, would much prefer Macquarie in that space. Chris McDonald from Morgan's, great to see you, mate. Great to see you. Uh, and also Michael Wayne from Adanian Financial. Good Michael, to see always you. good to have you on board. If you've got any stocks that you'd like us to take a look at, uh, flick us an email, uh, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at Ausbiz TV handle. Now, just a reminder, if you want to look at the uh, all the stocks in the calls portfolio, our fantasy portfolio, uh, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. There's a whole lot more coming up after this. <laughs>